Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Here's my joke. There was these two old buddies that lived down in Alabama. They were hunting buddies, and they decided they was going to go fishing this one time. They were sitting down in a boat, and one of them says, Well, Mert, we've been friends for a long time, haven't we? And he says, yeah, that's right, Josh. He says, tell me, Mert, he says, um, if you was out hunting by yourself sometime and I happened to sneak over and get with your missus and, uh, you know, we had a baby, he said, would that make us kin? And the other guy said, no, um, that'd make us even. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano. And from 89.3 KPCC in Los Angeles, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Jerry Cherry Holmes from the Grammy-nominated bluegrass band Cherry Holmes. Coincidence? I think not. Later, we'll be talking with our guest of honor, historian and activist Howard Zinn. But first, how about a little bit of small talk? The headlines this week, stimulus package, stimulus package, stimulus package, TARP. It's like Duck, Duck, Goose, except with our nation's future. Yes, it was all stimulus all the time, but there were other stories this week, so we asked our colleagues at Marketplace to tell us about them. Patty Hirsch, senior editor at Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? I'm going to be talking about the flight of expat business people from Dubai. It wasn't so long ago that we were talking about it being so this, this power hub of money in the Middle East, and now foreigners are apparently fleeing from the place. They have uh, airport car parks with 3,000 cars in them with apologies taped to the window and maxed out credit cards on the seat inside. This, there was no work. They've just got to get out of there. I think maybe their problem was being located in the Middle East, in the desert, and actually not having very much oil. That is a big problem for them. Stacey Vanek-Smith, reporter for Marketplace, what is your story of the week? Well, in honor of Valentine's Day, um, MTV has released its list of the top 10 makeout songs of all time. Uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden, The Trooper. Actually, you're not far off. Number four on the list is Closer by Nine Inch Nails. What? It's like really hardcore. That's like a good Valentine's Day song for cage wrestlers. Exactly. Number one on the list is I'm a Slave for You by Britney Spears, which also just seems to send a very strange message. Was this list compiled by Helmut Newton? (laughs) Phyllis Owens, commentary editor for Marketplace, what story are you going to be talking about at your dinner party this weekend? Well, I'm going to be telling people to look for a tour bus filled with Chinese people coming down their street. (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, there's a new tour group coming to the U.S. to look to buy houses. There are 40 investors looking to buy homes, looking for the best investment they can get. So these are just average Chinese citizens who are buying homes in America? Right. They want investment property and places for their kids to live while their kids go to school. See, I just signed up for a tour to go to China to look for my old job. (laughs) (laughs) And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like your own personal stimulus package full of history and booze. First, the history part. This week back in 1960, Jack Parr walked off the set of NBC's The Tonight Show. Now, most youngins at your party won't know from Jack Parr, and the old heads will probably need to be reminded why he hit the highway. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to refresh our memories. Forty years before Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction, there was Jack Parr and the letters W and C. 
For those of you under age 90, that's short for water closet, which means toilet. And on February 10th, 1960, Jack Parr uttered those offensive initials while telling a joke on The Tonight Show. Back then, Parr was the show's host and the king of late night TV. He'd talk about his private life on the show. He'd interview celebrity pals. He basically treated the set like his living room. And he figured it was okay to say WC in your living room. Network censors cut the joke anyway, so the next night, a few minutes into the show's live broadcast, Parr got up and left. His parting words, quote, there must be a better way of making a living than this. It wasn't the first time Parr gave NBC a heart attack. A year earlier, he interviewed Fidel Castro and praised Cuba's communist revolution. And then there was the time he kicked Mickey Rooney off the show for being drunk. But the network couldn't stay mad at the king of late night. Here's Jack! A month after telling The Tonight Show to shove it, Jack was back. I believe my last words were that there must be a better way of making a living than this. Well, I have looked. (laughs) And there isn't. Parr lasted until 1962. He hosted the show for five years total. After that, one of his villain guest hosts took over, mild-mannered Johnny Carson. He held the post for three decades. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm speaking with Colin Davis. He's a bartender at the Rainbow Room on top of 30 Rock, where NPC still has its headquarters and where Jack Parr once broadcast The Tonight Show. Colin, uh, you've heard the history lesson. What cocktail does that make you think of? One cocktail that comes to mind immediately would be the Stork Club cocktail because of the connections between Jack Parr and Walter Winchell, the famous gossip columnist. Oh, explain. There was a feud going on between them because of Winchell's red-baiting McCarthyism, and Parr was somewhat of a liberal, and so he used his position as a host to humiliate Winchell on the program. And, you know, it just ended Winchell's power. Okay. Winchell used to hang out at the Stork Club. That was his place where he would hold court, and there is a a stork club cocktail. Oh, okay. And what's in it? The ingredients are, say, one and a half ounces of gin, half ounce of triple sec, mm-hmm. quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, fresh squeezed, of course, an ounce of fresh orange juice, and a dash of Angus Juris bitter. And do you have it on the rocks or up? You can have it on the rocks, but as with most of these cocktails, they're traditionally served straight up. The other point that is very relevant is that this was seen as the sort of watershed when TV superseded the print medium as as a source of entertainment and information. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of ironic because uh, short, funny podcasts are now taking over television. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Conan O'Brien sends his hate mail. Brendan, here's the thing. I don't think that's the real Conan who emails us. <laughs> You're breaking my heart. I'm sorry. But we did get real email this week, as we do every week. Uh, One listener actually wanted us to come up with a Darwin cocktail, (laughs) since it is Darwin's 200th birthday. That's right. And I was thinking about what would the appropriate Darwin cocktail be. And I I think any cocktail, because as you drink it throughout the course of the night, you will evolve into a total jerk face. (laughs) And I think the evidence that that's what's happening is all around us, frankly. All right, if you've evolved to the point where you have 10 fingers, then you can email us at dinnerparty at kpcc.org. 
Our guest of honor is historian and activist Howard Zinn. He's best known for his book, A People's History of the United States. And this week, MoMA hosted the premiere of his new movie, The People Speak. And Howard, why don't you describe the film? Oh, as an objective observer, I would call it a wonderful film. (laughs) Uh, Well, actually, you would think so from this cast, which includes everyone in the world. (laughs) Bruce Springsteen is in this thing, Sean Penn, Matt Damon. For those who don't know, tell us, what do these actors do in the film? They're reading dramatic historical documents. For instance, Morgan Freeman reading uh, Frederick Douglass making a speech before the Civil War on the 4th of July and asking, why in the world are you asking me, me, a black man, to celebrate the 4th of July? Josh Brolin reading Johnny Got His Gun, probably the most powerful anti-war novel. The idea is that these are uh, sort of representing an an alternative history of America told through the point of view of the left. Well, from the point of view of an honest history, (laughs) you know, by that I mean it's history that's been left out. All right. We have a few questions that we ask of every guest on this show. The first one is, what is the question that everyone always asks you in interviews, the one that you are kind of sick of responding to? The question I'm sick of, oh, what are you working on now? I don't want to work on anything now. Can't I take a vacation? Why must I be working on something? (laughs) To be clear, I think you've put out 20 books, something like that? Something like that. Maybe 18, 19, 20, I'm not sure. And still people want more. Yeah, people want more. I mean, my God, aren't they tired of the things I have to say? (laughs) Once I've said there's no such thing as a good war, well, I don't have to say anything about any war that comes along. You know what I think. You at least deserve a break before having to say it again. Right. All right. And our second question is usually tell us something about yourself or in general that no one at our dinner party is going to know. But I imagine over the course of 18 or 19 books, is there anything you know that you haven't written about yet? Actually, there's something I I don't think I wrote about, which I sometimes wonder if it really happened. You know, the way you, you begin to wonder if you made it up. My bomber crew in World War II, the B-17 that I flew in about a a week before the war ended in Europe, the Germans had exploded the dikes in Holland. Mm. Land was flooded and people were starving, and we flew three food missions dropping food. It was very nice that I wasn't dropping bombs anymore. And when we left Amsterdam, my tail gunner called out on the intercom, take a look down there. And down there in the field outside of Amsterdam, there were these two huge words, uh, thank you, made up of thousands and thousands of tulips. Oh, my God. And uh, to this day, it seems like a fantasy, but it's not something I could have made up. Howard Zinn, thank you very much for talking to us. Oh, it's a pleasure talking with you. So Rico, when he was a young man, he was flying bombing runs over Europe. And when I was a young man, I was playing Defender in Steve Vanarelli's basement. <laughs> Which is why they call them the greatest generation. Uh, I was number 10. Yeah, and we were really good at eating Doritos. <laughs> you can check out a preview of The People Speak. We've got a link at dinnerpartydownload.com. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we learn about food. Rico, recently I discovered the magic of lard pigs. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I'm totally serious. You've been, I, I've known that you've gonna, you were going to be doing the story all week, but I, I love hearing the term lard pigs. I love saying it. That, that's why we're like we're like salmonella peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Tell us more. All right, Heath Putnam was a software engineer visiting Hungary when he ate a piece of pork that tasted better than anything he'd ever eaten in his life. Mm. That pork came from the Mangalitsa hog. The Mangalitsa hog. The mang- I hope it's called that. All right. Which you couldn't find in the United States. So Putnam started importing them, and now restaurants like the French Laundry started ordering them. Oh, the poor, poor, delicious lard pig. You see where this is going. This oh. is the next big pig. I caught up with Putnam in Tacoma, Washington, at the headquarters of his company, Wooly Pig. The Mangalitsa is, is becoming an international phenomenon. It's unique. It has incredible flavor. It's tender. It's moist. It melts in your mouth. It's a lard-type hog. Now, what does that mean, actually? What is a lard-type pig? A, a lard-type pig is a, is a pig that gets fat very easily. And some pigs don't get fat? The normal pigs are meat-type pigs. So, like uh, bodybuilders, they're very good at, at putting on uh, lean meat. Uh, the lard-type pigs, they are very fat-prone, but they just taste uh, much, much better. So this pig is becoming popular. If I'm correct, didn't the pig make an appearance on television not too long ago? Not very long ago. It was on the show um, 11th Hour. The Mangalitsa pig. Originating from Hungary, they are often called four-footed olive trees because they are fed a strict diet of mostly acorns. Yeah, but the pig's genetics actually make Mangalitsa fat more um, unsaturated. Says the meat is marbled? Yeah, it's like the Kobe beef of pork. I like how thorough they are when they describe the pig. Do you have any idea how they found out about your business? Well, I have a blog, and my understanding is that at least one or more of the writers reads my blog. Well, actually, I was on your blog the other day, and I was looking for recipes, and I saw this recipe for this whipped lard cream thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, sure. Um, This is sort of a signature Mongolitsa dish, and I think if you do see people in the next couple years doing this, it's going to be because of the Mongolitsa. If you braise, a, say, a mangalitsa belly, you'll get quite a lot of fat. You can take that fat and you can whip it up, put some salt in it, maybe add some breadcrumbs to, to give it a little um, texture. You can use it as a spread. So do you prefer the, the kind of pig life over the software engineering life? I think so. It's, it's certainly, I mean, if I look at what people are going to say about me when I'm dead, uh, it will probably have something about these uh, pigs. Especially if you die from eating too much lard. Yes. Brendan, I thought that was yogurt you've been eating in the morning. Lard yogurt. (laughs) And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Special thanks to Herschel Gare, Lisa Smith, and Kurt Nickish. And of course to John Raby and Queen of Kim. Remember that joke at the beginning of the show? You can hear that dude's bluegrass band on John and Queen's show, Off Ramp. Go to kpcc.org. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or recovering from this weekend's dinner party. From the band The Pains of Being Pure at Heart, this is Everything With You. Bon appetit.
I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And there's got to be an easier way to make a living than this. Exactly. Exactly.